Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. <laughs> Pardon me as I fumble with the controls. Um, there's a bunch of new things going. Hi, by the way. Hi, hi Chad. How's, how's it going? Welcome to the conversation. Um, there's a couple new buttons and switches to throw um, lately, just because basically um, we have done something that we wanted to do for quite a while. Um, and we uh, wanted to uh, kind of double down on Twitch. So this is the first time we've actually been exclusively on Twitch as far as the streams are concerned. Um, up until now, we've been streaming on a lot of platforms, as you know, but most, the, the lion's share of people have been on Twitch. We did start getting an uptick in YouTube as people started discovering our YouTube channel more. But, you know, taking a step back from things and, uh, you know, we were kind of, we were we were limiting what we could do with the with the platform by not just going a little bit deeper into Twitch. So we're going to take this approach for a while, see how it goes. What it what does that mean for you? Well, it means that um there is a monetization that's been added to the to the account which some of it's very annoying for instance the ads something we just have to kind of manage over time um i'm always going to be running uh, a, a minute and a half ad during the, the the sort of the ramp up of the uh, of the stream and we're going to figure out a way of sort of scheduling in like minute breaks or something like that this is the only way we can actually go and use you know be part of the affiliate and, and eventually partner program on twitch it's just uh, part of their their requirements how they sort of pay for their infrastructure basically Basically. But what it gives us as far as the community is concerned, it gives us custom you know, emotes, it gives you the ability of subscribing to the channel. Uh, if you want to, you know, support Agora community streams, that's a really great way to do it. Also, um, to note, uh, if you do subscribe, you actually guarantee you skip out any on any uh, ads that might be uh, showing up. But uh, anyways, lots of new things to play with. Uh, we have like uh, channel points. Now we have all kinds of crazy, crazy things. I'll try to over the next few weeks, um, kind of maybe take some time during streams to kind of walk you through for those who don't usually use a lot of Twitch. There's a lot of really fun things you can do. Uh, we also have the loyalty points, which we um, started playing with a little bit back um, during the uh, the challenge. Speaking of challenge, it's the first time I, I've actually seen everybody since then. We took a week off to recover from the, the challenge. It was quite a bit of work and um, a lot of people had a lot of fun. And I really do hope that, um, uh, you're asking if the eight ball is awesome. I think it just answers. It just does what a, a magic eight ball, what you'd think it would do. It's kind of uh, just something to play with a little toy. Um, yeah, so it's 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 been weird to not be streaming for a week, but it's nice to be back in action. We have a really great guest here today, kind of a bit of a nostalgia as, as far as anybody who's been paying attention to animation shorts on the internet is concerned because this particular person put something out there that kind of exploded a long time ago. And I, you know, it, it'll be fun to talk to him about, um, you know, you know, what that has done, you know, from his from his point of view, what what that might have done to his uh, his trajectory in the industry since that uh, since that's since that day so we have donnie permetti on and uh we're gonna bring him in right now we're gonna start uh having a conversation donnie hello how are you hello good how are you <laughs> how's it 
Good, good. Um, so welcome to the stream. It's, um, you know, as I mentioned before the stream, this is really just kind of like super casual. We're just hanging out. Usually it would be me and David, but uh, this week we had to double down and have two, two conversations because they were kind of piling up after um, a kind of a week hiatus. So uh, I'm flying solo today and uh, David will be flying solo uh, with a guest on Friday. But um, how are you, first of all? And second of all, like, tell us you know maybe get us give, give us like a kind of a really high level sort of on what you're currently finding yourself doing these days okay uh i'm i'm doing good i, I think you know as, as well as anyone is these days right right um so, so uh i i yeah i think i'm doing i'm doing pretty good and in terms of sort of high level of where i am um right now i am uh I just moved into the TV side of animation. So I'm working okay. at Nickelodeon as an animation director, which is, um, you know, and I think we could probably like dig into it a little bit more as the conversation goes, but it's in a way, it's sort of me making a shift from one side of the animation business to a different side. Um, so just for so, those who might not know, you're shifting from what exactly? What were you doing before television? So before, I mean, before television, I was working in a lot of small animation studios some of them motion graphics some of them okay. kind of like smaller animation shops and uh you know when you when you jump around for a long time you kind of work on everything um from like uh, commercials to to tv to movies to uh video games to ar to vr you know uh and all that stuff and in a way with those small studios the projects were kind of formatted in a similar way it's like let's get a lot of work done let's get a lot of work done in a short amount of time now that i've moved to tv it's kind of more of a, a regimented sort of schedule if that makes sense there's a lot more uh, strong involved with it but i think it's also um you know i, I wanted to make that move because i was sort of interested in more of like the, the storytelling aspect of animation right. and, and that's something i want right. to be a part of that that must be kind of exciting so how long ago did you start in nickelodeon then it's been what few months two months two months yeah, yeah okay wow so that's crazy so it's still pretty fresh <laughs> it's like it a is, big move is, yeah yeah that's exciting so it, i mean I, I i kind of yeah i can imagine i mean it would be like coming so you used to do a lot of just like motion graphic stuff and just just little bits and pieces and now you're joining like a full-fledged um regular regular regularly produced show basically and i mean uh, for those yeah. who might not know it's um uh why do i'm drawing a blank it's donnie um oh, what's the show what's the name of the show again you're because didn't you just is it you uh, that worked big, on this big oh the show oh, yeah, right now donnie. that i'm working on yeah Big, uh, yeah, big big yeah, I, I'm, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, I, it's my brain literally completely broke there. Yes. Big Nate is the show that literally just got announced basically. Like, wasn't that like, I think it just got announced like a week ago. Like it's pretty freshly Actually, on hot, hot off the press. It's, it's, uh, it's hot off the press on the streaming. So uh, Paramount plus released okay. it last week or ago, I believe. Okay. Uh, so yeah. the first eight episodes, which I have had nothing to do with so far. Okay. <laughs> so, right. okay. uh, but uh, as as more episodes trickle in, um, then you know, like uh, I'll, I'll we'll have looked at some of those. So you're right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so I kind of um, I kind of hinted at this a little bit, and I think a lot of people in chat probably are they already they're already chatting about it right now. I can see, but but there there was a, mm -hmm. a short film that was made a number of years years ago. How many years ago now is that? It was like I feel like fifteen. How long ago was that? Ten? Sixteen? Sixteen? No, no, 16. sorry. Uh, oh, no, not sixteen. Yeah, 16 years ago. 
2006. Wow, okay, so I was close on my first guess. Yeah, okay, that sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So it was a, a short film that 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 you had made, and it kind of exploded. And I I don't know, you'd be hard pressed to find a 3D animator who has not seen this short film. Right. Um, and it's it's called Kiwi, basically. Right. Do you have what? Can you kind of touch a little bit on the on the the genesis of um of Kiwi? Like, what were you like? What were you up to at that time? Why did you feel the yeah. need to make it? Like, talk to us about right. that. Yeah, I guess to be sort of honest and blunt, I, I made it so I could graduate. Okay, <laughs> you know? there you go. So, uh, you know, so it was, and, it was a student it, film. I didn't know that. It was a student film, yeah. And, and you know, I could probably touch on this a little bit later in, in the conversation, but I think, you know, essentially back then, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really have a big idea of like what I needed to do after I graduated, you know, like what I wanted to be, mm. like what direction I wanted to go with my degrees and stuff. So essentially, I just wanted to make a film so I could graduate. Um, okay. I, it's pretty good I, I did focus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did focus on the story for a bit because in my undergrad, which was at Bowling Green State University, actually, let me back up a second. Uh, Kiwi was a, a master thesis film at the School of Visual Arts in New York City. Okay. So I was there for two years uh, to work on that, um, to get my master's degree. When I was at Bowling Green, I remember I had a teacher named Walter Burns, who um, I don't know if he's listening. He was very, when we had to pitch our story ideas for films, he was very tough on us about coming up with mm. a good story. You know, he was like, you know, uh, if, if the story wasn't good, it's like, why bother animating it? Or like, why can't you it's just good. shoot this as a film you know so yeah, he really good question uh, yeah and, and i think he kind of drove into my head like let's really put some time into this you know mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. i try to be thoughtful about what i was animating um after that so when i got to grad school and i knew this is my graduate film this is my thesis film um what can i make it about and um you know i the idea of a flightless bird was one of the first things that came up and then I thought that chickens and penguins were kind of overused in animation. Mm. So I tried to look up other flightless birds and I found, and I, <laughs> I did remember growing up watching that TV show, Tasmania. It was in the nineties. Right. It was Warner brothers did the show about the Tasmanian devil and his family and stuff. Mm -hmm. Even mm -hmm. though it was on Tasmania, they had this little Kiwi character that mm -hmm. um, would just run around and stuff and be really fast. And I remember that uh, being another flightless bird. And I thought that character was kind of funny. So I was just mm -hmm. like, you know, I want to get a kiwi as well. So um, I picked a kiwi. Um, I, I tried to, I wanted to make an animation that sort of try to keep people watching. And sort of in a manipulative way, we had to write a lot of papers around our thesis film. So I think the first half of the second year, we had to write a 30-page paper. And then the second half, we had to do a 10-page paper. And so I just kind of made my paper about empathy and getting, um, you know, uh, the audience to sort of engage with the character, uh, especially mm -hmm. a nonverbal character. So I, the whole idea that kind of formed Kiwi itself was I, I wanted to make something that, like, you know, people were engaged and were trying to get into Kiwi's shoes, you know, about how he was feeling and, like, what he was doing and why he was doing it. And, you know, I some of the examples I used in the paper were, like, of successful characters like in that same vein were like you know wallace and gromit the dog doesn't have a mouth doesn't talk but you get a lot of um what he's thinking about with his eyes his, his eyebrows and you know mm -hmm. what he does so i wanted to do something similar with the kiwi the kiwi doesn't have arms or wings he just has eyes and his feet 
how can I make him move in a way that uh, makes the audience engaged and feel for him? And then, I mean, right. if anybody's ever seen the ending of it, how do I kind of turn that on, on, on the audience, you know? Yeah, like, no, for sure. Build up this sort of like uh, this, this um, build up this connection with the Kiwi and then just, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, that would, it, the, your ending would fall. I mean, not to, it's a bit of a pun here, I guess your ending would fall pretty yeah. flat if it didn't actually, if you, if the audience wasn't on board, you know, if they weren't bonding with this yeah. character, then it would like totally miss that whole payoff at the end, uh, which would of course make that teacher of yours pretty sad. The one that was always about story. Right. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, so a lot of your, a lot of your thought process was how can I pick a very simple character animate? So you don't, you don't end up, end up over your head, but also, um, make sure that you have enough to play with that you could actually give the audience something to kind of find, I guess, um, charming, I guess would probably be a good word. They yeah. Let them fall in love with the character a little bit. Yeah. 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 And I think also another thing, and I just thought of this just now is that I, my, I had done two other, I did three films in Bowling Green previously. Two of them were very heavy on the lip sync. And mm. I kind of, I kind of think I, I wanted to kind of move away from that, try something else, because in a right. way, those films are almost dependent on the lip sync to kind of move the story forward. And I, mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of take that out and see if I could do something with just body language instead. So I think right. that's another reason why it ended up being a sound film. And, and I don't know, it's, I hear this a lot in film festivals. I don't know if it's 100% true, but it's like, I think it also was to Kiwi's advantage that there was no dialogue or whatever, that it was easy to kind of export to, you know, other audiences who didn't speak English and stuff, you know? Um, so, I mean, that, that, yeah, that goes right back to probably some of the logistics you were trying to deal with. For instance, it was a school film, right? So you obviously, yeah. like you said, you didn't, you didn't want it to, you were done, you'd done a lot of lip sync. So you're like, can we do, can we spend more time dealing with trying to perform without it? And also it probably made things a little bit probably simpler to do right i would imagine i don't i can't it imagine it wouldn't it for sure and it wouldn't i i feel like you would have lost a lot of the charm to be completely honest if you had like talking in it maybe sounds or something could have been okay but like i yeah. think that part of the charm is that it's just it that it's physical you know that you were really just exp yeah. explaining this character through through motion as opposed to through you know talking like it would have been a yeah. very different experience otherwise i think it's a classic um, case of where you if you if Sometimes you can get really good ideas when you put a lot of boundaries around right. what you're trying to do. Always, in a, I in find. A sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You put constraints on on a, on a project and suddenly you find yourself thinking outside the box a lot more because you have to, as opposed to just kind of getting mm -hmm. lazy because you could do anything and then you get paralyzed with indecision. I, I find this, yep. this that particular topic comes up a lot. You know, when you're working on a demo reel or, or just about anything that's personally driven, uh, it, there's a tendency to overcomplicate. You know, when what you should be doing is finding ways of like restraining yourself by putting on like quite literally. So like it, it was fun because you had a bunch of constraints going in there. You were like, okay, well, no lip sync. Okay, great. Um, why did you, why, what, why, what was, why was a, a flightless bird? And maybe you said this and maybe I just somehow, somehow missed it, but why was a flightless bird at the center of the, the idea? Like wh where did that show up on the, on your radar as far as that being a thing? I think... And it, and it forgive be me because reason. it has been a while since I've yeah you know, no for sure of, for sure I, I don't I do remember where I was when I was kind of like writing this stuff down but I'm I'm wondering if it was 
I, I, you know, there was that perspective shift where the camera kind of shifted and it became yeah. a different perspective yeah. as he was flying. Yeah. I, it's yeah. possible I might come up with that idea first. Okay. So there was a gag like, okay. that you try to make. Got it. Yeah. It's like, like this, I think, you know, I had this visual gag that I want to try. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a flightless bird would be one creature that would probably test run this sort of gag, you know? So I think that that could be where it came from. Um, yeah, I don't remember if I don't I don't think I was necessarily like I need to tell the story of a flightless bird. You know, yeah. I think my maybe yeah, the yeah. gag came first. Possibly. Yeah, that ma that makes perfect sense. It's it's a I, yeah. I like to ask these kind of questions because a lot of people have a hard time with a thought process. Like they have they have lots of great ideas, but they don't really know where to start. And so I was just curious where yours mm -hmm. might have come in from come from. But it sounds like that makes a lot of sense. If you were like, imagine we played with perspective, like of of just in general fly a flight in general, and then they were like, okay, but why would there need to be a perspective shift? Oh, what if what if we're dealing with a bird that can't fly, and then they could find a way of flying yeah. by falling? Basically, it led like one thing that led, led to the other, and then next you know you're exactly. you're scouring the internet looking for flightless birds, and then you picked a kiwi, yeah. and because you thought they were adorable, and they that looked interesting and not overdone so it all just fell into place mm -hmm. that's crazy Do you yeah. like i mean 16 years ago is a long time so like when you when you finished this like how much of a gap was there between um you know finishing that for your your essentially your thesis right it was a thesis project i think yeah. you said right by the way mm -hmm. you might be one of the only people i know who has like a master's degree in the field of animation so congratulations for being one of the only people oh, thank I know. you um, <laughs> we, we should get you a special hat or something that like you're like animation royalty. I know. Um, and then, I should always wear a graduate outfit. I I think so. I think so. Um, yeah, so how much of a gap do you think there was between like finishing it and then putting it out online? Yeah, there, there wasn't much of a gap. I can actually give you kind of a, a funny timeline of how it they sure. kind of went. So, mm -hmm. um, I, like I said, I didn't think about, Hey, I'm going to, use this film as and put in the festivals and, and you know i wasn't mm -hmm. thinking like that That wasn't on your radar then. yeah so, okay yeah it wasn't on my radar so what happened was what's funny is there's the the minimum the one of the requirements for graduating was you had to enter your film into the minimum of two festivals i think i kind of i tried sigraph and i tried another one but i, I did the bare minimum back then and uh i didn't get into the sigraph because they had the computer animation festival every mm. year you know and um, and the other one, I don't, I don't even remember if I got into it or not. But I kind of was like, oh, it's done. Now, when I finished my films in the past, and you know, this was like, I did, I did animation in high school actually. So, in high school in the early two thousands, my films were always on VHS tapes. And I'd be like, if somebody came over to my house, I'd pop in the VHS tape, be like, this is what I made in school this semester, blah blah blah. Hmm. Um, VHS. When Kiwi, yeah. So when Kiwi was finished, that's when YouTube had started. Yeah, so, so, well, it's when it was exploding, I think, probably right over then, yeah, right? I think, 15, yeah, so I thought, well, this is yeah. a super easy way to share it with people. I can just email a link. I don't have to, like, wait for them to come over to my house and pop out. <laughs> you know? So I uploaded on YouTube, but nothing was happening mm -hmm. on YouTube. Um, it was just there, and I was just sending links. Um, sure. I did get a little bit a little bit of exposure on – do you remember um, it used to be called CG Talk a long time yeah, ago? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, now CG like channel, CG Talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I posted Kiwi on there and I did get a, a, a nice response. I got a front page feature, you know, and I oh, thought wow. at that point, oh, I made it. I got, I got front page. It's easy. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I finished, <laughs> I think I uploaded Kiwi in like maybe June of 2006 or May. I forget. But 
by September, I had moved to Los Angeles. And then in November, I was up in San Francisco visiting a friend. Mm. And I was just like bringing up, hey, uh, this is my film. It's on YouTube. We can watch it. And I saw it in a day. It had like a million views or two million. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Which and is that's, crazy. That's I mean, back then, yeah. that's big numbers. Big. Yeah. Because there's so many people yeah. on YouTube now that a million is still impressive. But it's considering compared to its, its total user base, it's actually kind of small. But like back then, when the user base was quite fresh and very small, a million would have been a lot. A lot of people yeah. on the platform. Yeah. And Impressive. And what I didn't realize is I was, I think I was one of the first animators animating, like, you know, uploading like oh, that yeah. because I feel like, nice. like a lot of the, um, the, the, <laughs> the emails or calls I would get for like, to talk to me about like interviews, they're always like bringing up like, oh, wow, an animator. And the like cartoon brew wrote an article <laughs> about, look, animators can now use the internet to promote themselves and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, yep, that was totally That's an accident. Funny. I didn't realize I was like sort of tapping into something so i think in a way mm. i mean I, I might kind of a little too self-deprecating here but i also feel like timing was on my side like if i had put up mm. kiwi now i feel like there's a lot of really practiced art like really good mm. people who know how to use the internet are very savvy mm. and mm. i feel like kiwi might get lost in the shuffle because there's so much content out there um <sighs> That could that could be true, but I could also I could also say that maybe it was it was films like Kiwi that helped build YouTube into what it is today as well, right? So like right. it is it's yeah. everything everything is timing and everything everything you know is relative. Yeah. And I think back then it just wasn't being done. Like you said, you were getting you were getting um, acknowledged as being one of the first animators utilizing the platform, probably because of the the the, the large amount of visibility you had because of how viral it went. Um, but yeah. also because you were probably just one of the few people that were doing it. Most people were still, like you said, were still schlopping around their freaking VHS demo tapes because this was before even DVDs became like the standard. It's oh weird to think that remember, there's many generations ago. We're, we're both making ourselves yeah. feel very old right now. <laughs> I remember going to Sigraph a long time ago and everyone had their big like packets mm. like oh, yeah. out of like the CD, the cards, the big resume, yeah. like oh, the DVD yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I remember making like, so many copies back then and just like, they just kind of don't get used. <laughs> you know, they get like stacked. Oh, like, yeah. Here's all my copies of my reel, you know, just oh, sitting yeah. next to me. Oh yeah. No, no, for sure. It was, uh, it was a different, different world we lived in back then. Now it's like, it, it would be almost weird to send your demo or like a, DV, a DVD into a, into a business to, to have be looked at. It's just like, really, you're sending us physical media to take a look at? Like, I mean, that happens every yeah, once yeah. in a while, but it's very rare now. So yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, okay. So you, so you're at this point, you're thinking, okay, so I'm pretty much freshly done school. I put this thing out there just as a way to share it. And it exploded. Um, was this before YouTube mm -hmm. was even like, um, I don't even think it was even monetized back then. Was it? So you weren't seeing any real no. revenue or anything like that from putting that out there. Oh man. No, and That's bad. that didn't happen until probably 2010, 2011. Yeah. That sounds about right. When monetization of yeah. YouTube channels became a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine? Wow. I, it's because like, I, I just, I having a hard time wrapping my head around like a, a million plus people looking at it back on YouTube when it was like a brand new platform. It's just so big. That's so big. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. okay. What does that make you do though? What does that do to your ego? What does that do to, I have so many uh, questions. So you, cause you put yourself out yeah. there and, and people were like, you know, you were getting all this, this attention. What did that, what part trying to give, give us an idea as to what that was doing to your mind at that time. Okay. So, I mean, there's definitely, I feel like it's kind of had, it's had effects over like a long. Oh, undoubtedly. 
Oh, you're frozen. Please come back. Said earlier, I think I was completely unprepared. Unprepared. Um, for yeah, I thought like, okay, I'm gonna get out of school. I'm gonna get a good job making things move, and I'm gonna make money, and I'll, I'll uh, right. Like yeah. that's it. You know that that was what that it was, was the but plan. You, that, you were going to school that for that in the, the first plan. place. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and I think a lot of opportunities sort of came in my direction that I didn't really know how to capitalize on. Um, for example, I had I had meetings. I had been called into a meeting at Nickelodeon where they, they brought me in and then they're sort of like asking me like, so what else do you have? And I'm like, I didn't really think about like, maybe I'll make a TV show. You know what I mean? Like, I think these, these places brought me in because they saw this sort of like new thing, like, Oh, animation is big on, on YouTube. It's getting a lot of views. Maybe this guy has some more uh, going on. And um, you know, I, I had a great meeting at Nickelodeon, but I didn't really have sort of much in my arsenal, you know, to talk about. Um, because at the time I was sort of still working and freelancing around trying to pay off right. my student loans, you know, yeah. um, and there was, um, there was even a time that like Warner brothers called me in for a meeting, but because I was so unprepared, I didn't ask them where to meet them. So <laughs> we hung up. And then I was just like, oh no. And then I didn't know like who to call back. So I just drove to Warner brothers. And at the front gate, I was like, I have a meeting. I don't know who it's with, but it's at this time. Oh, man. And they're like, we can't do anything. Sorry. And I was just oh, like, no. okay, I completely like don't know how any of this works. So um, that was that was one side of it, you know, but I don't necessarily see that in like a negative way or like I have like huge regrets because in mm. other ways, I think it, it helped me get, you know, work. So for example, yeah. I started getting calls to animate cute characters after Cutie. So whenever okay. and what, what kind of, like, so what kind of calls? Like, are you getting a lot of random calls from nobodies? Are you getting calls from bigger companies? Like, give us an idea as to like oh. what kind of it? Because I'm sure that attention brought you all kinds of like a mixed bag of different attention. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So, um, I, uh, you know, like I got calls from like Nickelodeon and Warner Brothers. Uh, yeah, I got calls from like a lot of. Um, kind of studios that I worked at for a long time, like um, okay, uh, like uh, Yuko uh, Duck Studios, which was around a long time ago. Um, okay, I was at Duck for a long time, but pretty much I just got calls because mm. Kiwi was like you know big thing, and I animated. It was hot. Yeah, but like you said, there was like a wide range. Like I would get calls from a guy who owns a paint company in Pennsylvania, oh, and he sure. wanted to. Do you know, his, his advertising for him or something. Like right. That. Right. He wanted like a, a mascot or something like that. You can animate it for yeah. his ads on TV basically. Yeah. And then, and then sometimes I would get calls from people wanting me to work for free, you know, kind of that, that classic, like, Hey, oh, yeah. you did a great job. This, if you work on this, we could pay you when we get this much exposure. Like, so there was like a wide range of responses mm. for sure. Right. That's, it's funny. It reminds me, I, I follow, um, Jorge Guterres, who's, um, 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 the director behind, um, um, is it Maya in the three, I think is his latest thing that he has on TV. Um, I love that. Show. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. And, and I, I had the pleasure of meeting him back at a CTN and I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I have him on Facebook and he makes these posts on a regular basis on offers that he gets like random offers, because of course his, his, uh, you know, he's becoming quite a visible person because of how much he, he he's very prolific with the films he's done. Um, and now the, and now the TV show getting a lot of recognition 
and he he always posts like the top ones of the week and they're always people randomly offering they want to be hey can you make me a design me a tattoo um to, for payment i will uh turn it into an nft and we can share the profits it's like these random random requests yep. that come in all the time just because people know his name and they just figure figure like so you must have had a lot of that back back in the day i'm sure yeah. you probably still do. actually do you still get that now that you mention nfts i'm getting a lot of like nft oh emails, wow there you like, go and stuff. yeah for sure so That's yeah hilarious. it's it still happens every once in a while. and i also kind of get like some of the you know i like not like job emails but like fan emails and stuff like still come in sure. like somebody got a tattoo of the character or oh, that's so cool uh, yeah or somebody wanted um uh they wanted to know what the real ending was so they'll, they'll email me and oh, ask me yeah. <laughs> you know scott was asking in chat um and i i'd heard this rumor as well i don't know i haven't i didn't actually go back and actually check youtube for this but apparently back it became like a trend for people to create their own endings like different endings yeah. alternate endings of this i think that that's mm -hmm. so cool that they that, that that became like a thing on youtube that people started doing it's almost like it was almost tiktok duos way before tiktok yeah. was even even conceived right like people do doing like collaborative things without needing to actually organize time to collaborate they just put video out there and let people then take it and do things with it i think that that's very very interesting yeah. like i it must it must feel kind of surreal to you though i mean it's 16 years ago now and you're still getting these fan letters every once in a while of people that have tattooed their body with this cute little you know kiwi bird that was in your your film like how did like that must that's 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 profound i, I would find that really very flattering and i don't know i don't know how yeah. i would feel how like how does it make you feel that people still like I mean, that this is some somehow still important to them that they would actually tattoo themselves? I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, it, it definitely, there was definitely some good feeling. Like it was like overwhelming. Like I made something yeah. that yeah, it, it accomplished what I set out to do. Um, I, I mean, I didn't think it was going to reach millions of people. I just wanted the person who watched yeah, yeah. it to enjoy the movie. Um, so, yeah. you know, you know, I think I was unprepared for, even right. knowing how to feel, you know, and I think like over the long term, I think like with anything, it's kind of like a double edged sword in a way, you know, like with any yeah. real life situations. So like, it, it definitely helped me get a lot of work. It, it definitely helped. I mean, even if, if I if I go somewhere to like an event or a party, it's like someone says, Oh, I know that film. It's like, okay, there's an icebreaker right there. Like, oh, I'm not yeah, gonna lie. For sure. That was kind of nice. Um, on the other yeah. hand, like, I think it definitely sort of mess with my mind in terms of like what I would want to do next as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That was, that was actually getting my next question. Like, I mean, cause yeah. obviously it's opened up doors for jobs, but like, how, yeah. how do you feel like it's affected you creatively? Like how, how has that affected your, your creative mindset on how to approach creative problems? Like, like yeah. maybe you haven't, maybe I'm putting you on the spot. Maybe you haven't given this enough thought. I don't know. But like, what are your high level thoughts on, on it's, it's effect on your creative arc. In your mind. Yeah, I've I've had 16 years to think about this. <laughs> so okay, I good. think I think it's definitely, you know, it's it's like I said, it's a double-edged sword. Like I, I can't I cannot acknowledge all the great things that the film has brought me, like meeting all sure. the people, even the traveling and stuff like that, and and mm -hmm. and also like the job getting the job calls. Um on the other hand, like I have been sort of, you know, stuck in front of that blank page you know like because i'm, I'm worried like oh like is is this of this film going to be viewed through kiwi first you know like or like i didn't i didn't set out to 
I didn't set out to make this like film that millions of people were going to watch initially. And it's like, if I make another one, that's going to, it's going to be that, or, or people are going to judge it like next to that and stuff. And mm-hmm. like that kind of definitely made it hard to kind of get somewhere with like my personal stuff. But on the other hand, like I said, because it was good for my career, I think my work mode wasn't affected by that. If that makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause yeah. going back to the constraints thing, like when I'm work, I have very specific tasks, you know, I have specific deadlines. I need to get this done. And, you know, I, I'm thankful that I can sort of use my, my creative abilities to meet those goals. But then when I go home and like, I look at my own blank pages, I'm like, like, what, what do I do? Like, how do I start this way and stuff? So I think there's definitely two sides of that for sure. Well, I mean, I would imagine, I mean, I touched on ego a little while ago, but I feel like it's worth mentioning it again. Now, I think that if I put myself in your shoes as best as I can, um, and mm-hmm. imagine what it would be like. I can imagine it really screwing up in my head because you started your career pretty much, right? I mean, you were in school. Like, I mean, you sound like you were doing some jobs already, but like you were doing them, like it was still pretty early in your career when you put out, yeah. when you put this out. Right. And so mm-hmm. when you put it out and you had that kind of recognition right off the bat, like you would like won some sort of like recognition lottery as far as digital art is concerned. And, um, it's like, People on YouTube now, there's like a phenomena, right? Like where they are like, there's a great deal of depression, to be quite frank, on content creators because they 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 struggle with, they may have this crazy out of nowhere hit success that goes viral. And then they yeah. literally torture themselves because everything they do after that is somehow weighed against and and measured in their mind against this gigantic success but that what they don't fully grasp is why and so they literally drive themselves crazy and they they drive themselves into this sort of weird pit of despair because they like but i did it once how come i can't do it again am i am i is that what i am am i a a one trick am i one am i a one-hit wonder like this is what they do to themselves and they and they have a really hard time like do you ever have those kind of feelings where you feel like that is like you've somehow you you have bigger expectations of yourself or do you have that all under check yeah i'm actually kind of glad you brought up that angle because like first off i feel like i can when i see influencers or content creators go through that like i feel like yeah. i can sympathize you know oh, for sure you like, like, you're like one of the originals and, and, yeah and in a way like even though i kind of contextualize it as you know as somebody pointed out in the chat the second act syndrome or kind of being worried about what the follow-up is i also felt like another part of me is kind of okay with detaching myself from being cons- mm. um to chain to that if that makes sense yeah like yeah even though I sort of lament, mildly lament the fact I haven't been able to get the the courage slash um, work ethic to kind of keep putting out films. On the other hand, mm. I think I've built a pretty strong career for myself that I can be proud yeah, of. Absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. and I can also, in a way, like relieve myself of that pressure, if that makes sense. Like I have, yeah. Yeah, I have a family, I have a great job. I don't think I need to sweat like what else am I going to put out on YouTube or whatever. And yeah. And I feel bad because I feel like for some content creators that that is their bread and butter. And when they hit those walls, they like their stress is huge. And it's like, I don't, I'm glad that I don't have to depend on that. Um, And secondly, like, I mean, this is a little off of the side chat too. It's like, I really do feel like the, 
the, the, the streaming and the monetization models for animators is not great. Mm. You know, like it, it favors the people who will talk at the camera constantly and upload every yeah. week. But if you're an animator yeah. who takes like a week or two yeah. weeks to like yeah. put something together yeah. and upload to YouTube, yeah. um, the, you, you're not going to make the same amount of money as the person who just no. turns on the camera and talks to the selfie, you know? And yeah. in yeah. a way like that, uh, I know a lot of animators were leaving YouTube because they weren't making as much money. And at some point yeah. I was demonetized, <clears throat> like Kiwi doesn't make any more money at, at all because I think YouTube's always kind of changing their algorithms to work, you know, for them, mm -hmm. not necessarily for the creators. So like after that happened, I was just kind of like, okay, you know what? Like I can leave this to the side, you know, like this seems like a really stressful environment and stuff. I mean, <laughs> I, I should, I should want to make films, not just for YouTube, obviously. Oh, for but, sure. Yeah. But I think there's definitely like, like a pressure that I identified that I, I, I don't need yeah. to burden myself. So yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, like the, the, the differences are clear. Like you, you, you didn't do it for that purpose in the begin with, right? There wasn't even monetization on the platform when you put it out there. It was, you, but, but, you know, so therefore, obviously, yes, a YouTuber whose full-time job is content creation uh, and then their way of making a living is solely based on that algorithm and how well a, a certain piece of content does. Like you said, you've, you've divorced yourself from that by simply being like, I'm not in that race. That's not a game I'm even playing. It's like, I'm, I have a family, I have a job and that's all, and it, that's enough for you. Right. Um, I but I mean, I can imagine, yeah, I, yeah exactly. And, and, but I can imagine still that it's, it's cause it's not about money for everybody. It's just also about like, just, just recognition that you did something great that people like, you know, but I guess you can also, you yeah. can do that now through Nickelodeon, which is obviously probably the whole point of joining a team like that and feeling like you contribute yeah. towards something that's big, that will be recognized and people will enjoy in their lives. So I guess you're, you have yeah. another way of fulfilling that, that itch anyways, yeah. right. Or that scratch and that I itch. Absolutely. And I think also just by the fact that I've been working, like I, I feel super fortunate to have the, the jobs that I've had there that I've had the projects that I've been on. And there've been lots of projects where I've been super proud of them. And I, and I felt, you know, I, I put a lot of myself into it and stuff. So it's not like there's been this void ever since Kiwi, you know, like I've been able to sort of yeah, scratch the creative sure. itch on, on the job, which I feel very lucky yep. to have as well. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I just, it was, I just, because before this chat, I was just doing a lot of thinking about like, you know, what kind of mental space that would create for anybody who had that, got tasted that kind of overnight success so early in their career. But it's funny, you just somehow you managed to just, you know, uh, find other ways of, of, of satisfying that and, um, and not letting yourself get pulled into that freaking, that vol the volcano that so many people find themselves getting pulled into these days. I mean, and I mean, this goes well beyond YouTubers too, right? I mean, we can just take a look at anybody who's kind of got a bit of an addiction towards Facebook or Instagram posting, yeah. you know, little things here and there. It's like those endorphins that are firing when you get people that like your stuff. It's addictive. It's addictive. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I literally got bit by the bug recently because I've been playing around with AI um, concept art where you can actually throw essentially a bunch of uh, text prompts to so, uh, 
oh man, I can't stop. And I posted a few of them just for fun on Facebook and, and everyone on my feet are losing. They're like, give us more. This stuff's great. And it's like, there's something about very addictive. It's like playing a slot machine. You put a bunch of clever words and you attach like a, an artist to that, that set of, uh, that, that, that chunk of, of text. And you just send it off to be sort of chewed on by a, by a bunch of machines. And you wake up the next day to harvest this and then put it like it's, there's, there's something that I, that's, I'm not making any money off of that. It's just a bunch of just, it's just my own personal yeah. Facebook page that I'm doing it on. And it's funny how, you know, that, that can really screw with you. That feeling of like, Hey, I'm, I'm making someone else's day better because they really like what I did. And now I want to do more of that. Yeah. So it's, uh, I was going to say for you, for you, does that, does that change? Like, like there's the, there's the desire to make something and see what happens, but the effect of getting people to see it, like, do you feel like the people seeing it kind mm -hmm. of, increase that addiction a little bit or yeah i think so I, like, I literally i find i literally contemplated yesterday i sh i feel like i should like literally start a youtube channel just to like do a my weekly best of of stuff that you show and then just have like a dialogue you know maybe invite a friend and just like just muse at these ridiculous renderings from a machine because some of yeah. them are like profound and we project i what i find myself doing when i look at these images is that the that I project a lot. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm closing the gap and I'm like seeing things that are probably not there because you know, it, it, we know that a machine made it. So obviously they don't know, right. They just, they stitched a bunch of things that they learned by looking at other art and they try to come up with something that makes sense. But often it's very abstract and it's got great rendering because they're borrowing from like the paint strokes of some known artist. But uh, the, the, the content is in it is often very, yeah. surreal and very Salvador Dali, very abstract. So I just, I don't know. I, I, it's yes. So I guess the answer to your question is yes. I felt, I feel like this, this need to put it out there because I think people enjoy it and I like doing it. I like myself yeah. showing it to people. So it's weird. I mean, that's, that's weird what this, cool this thing social about, media stuff does to people's brains. Yeah. It's, ahead, I mean, sorry. it sort of sounds similar to Kiwi in that, like, that's, what's the cool thing about art is it's like this way for us, the artists to engage with the rest of the world. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's our, it's our icebreaker. Like you put it earlier, right? It's a way of starting yeah. a conversation with people and like just putting yourself out there. That's one thing that art's so great about art. And so what's so great about Kiwi was that you just had this great idea. It was fun. It was, it was about perspective. It was about challenging perspective and having a big twist at the end. How much, I mean, I, I'm sure that there's so many people that have written even opinion pieces on that short film on like the <laughs> meaning behind it. Right. I'm sure because it is yeah. got a pretty profound ending and, and people are kind of, I'm sure, would speculate you know and and i think that in itself gets a conversation started and i think that if you are putting something out there that just gets people thinking and talking to one another you're doing you're contributing to society as far as i'm concerned it's what's so great about art so yeah I mean, yeah and and that's when i when i think back like you know obviously there's like 16 years of you know processing like what what the film has yeah. meant to me and, and i think one of the, yeah. and this is going to sound really cheesy but i feel like one one of the things i really treasure most about the film is like the people i got to meet because of the film you know, oh, for so sure. For sure. Once, once, um, once it, uh, once it kind of blew up, then I was like, okay, I guess I need to do film festivals now. <laughs> because, <laughs> right, you're expected. You're expected yeah, to and, do it now. But then point. once I started going to them, I was just like, I don't know why. Like, I, I wish I had this <laughs> headspace when I graduated because it's like I just yeah. started meeting new people. I started watching other yep. people's films and getting inspired. Yep. And then, uh, um. SVA, my grad school, because, you know, they've acknowledged that it got a lot of attention. They actually entered mm -hmm. into a film festival for me. I didn't know they were doing this until I got accepted, but I got to go mm -hmm. to Russia for nine days. Um, oh, there's wow. This, um, yeah, there's, there's this film festival called Croc, K-R-O-K. 
and okay. it's on a boat and they invite <laughs> a whole bunch of animators to sit on this boat for nine days no and just way. watch films, drink lots really? of alcohol and eat lots of Russian food. And wow. um, it was, it was like one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. Like it was the biggest <laughs> film festival I went to, but I also got yeah. to meet so many people that I wouldn't have met over here. Yeah, it's you know, in the U.S. So. and and seeing like the other side, like a different side of the animation industry and what their sort of their tastes are and stuff like that. And so I, I couldn't have done that without Kiwi. So uh, like I was really happy about that. You know, I feel I know, Scott, you're probably still um, listening here because you're omnipresent and always listening. I'm wondering, would it make sense? Like I, I should have done this. Um, oh, Donnie's uh, portrait literally became like a some sort of it looks like one of my ARR. Oh, now you're back. It went. Okay. It, it did something very weird. It was some sort of weird compression. I should it. Would it make sense for us to play it? Like I, you know, cue it up. I should have thought of this before. I don't know why. Here we are talking about something. Um, no, uh, talking uh, the the just uh, Kiwi. I mean, oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. how many people in chat? How many people in chat have not seen it? Is, is I think my 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 first question. I'm just here. I'm assuming everyone's seen it because it's just it went so crazily viral over the years. It's gone. It's gone viral a few times. I think probably it, it, yeah. it probably catches the algorithm again and it gets hot again, and then it just sort of dies off and then comes back. Yeah, you've seen you know, it? one time. Most the, people. The Fine Brothers. The Fine Brothers did a reaction video to it. Uh, oh, so did like, they? Yeah, YouTubers react to Kiwi in like 2013 or 2014. So it got a big spike around then and then you know okay down. yeah that's it that's all it takes right people like it just yeah. re reinvigorates the conversation and people jump on it oh scott queued it up let's do it let's just do it for fun it'd be fun to almost get like you know your your uh your real-time reaction having having watched i mean when's the last time you watched it me oh oh man uh, yeah, you. you know i think i actually showed it to my kids recently been a while. oh no way that's so funny how old are yeah, your yeah. kids uh not five and six. Oh yeah how do they feel about so it I mean, not a big yeah, five and six. They're just like, cool, <laughs> I just, I just thought like, hey, let's let's watch this, and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah that's fun. Okay, let's let's yeah. let's bring it up here, just just to just in case people in the in, in chat haven't had the pleasure of watching it. It's very very cute. Let's uh, bring it up. Uh, what are we? How's this gonna work, Scott? Thank mm -hmm. you. 
we've either crushed people in chat for the first time <laughs> or we brought back <laughs> some pain, painful memories. <laughs> I'll bring it. I'll bring it back. I, I, uh, I want. I. It's funny because I'm seeing people in, um, in chat. They're like, <laughs> they're saying every time they get, it gets me every single time. Yeah. I, I'm wondering, like, when. So when you were when you were making this, like, was was the idea had to have him hit the ground was that part of the original idea did that was that did that come after like working on the film for a while like i mean the ending is obviously i'm, I'm sure you had lots of different ideas for the ending uh yeah i think if i remember correctly i i think i might have had that ending idea at the beginning uh just because i i i want to keep some i want to put something in there that kind of played with expectations if that makes sense you know try to set it up a certain way and then change it, set it up a certain way and change it. So, you know, like with, with him hammering all the, the trees to the cliff, it's like, what is he doing? And then when I reveal it, I, I, you know, I want it to be unexpected. And then I yeah. wanted to kind of bring him to his height of happiness and joy. But then right after showing that kind of show the price of, you know, trying to strive for that for him. Right. No, it makes sense. And, and what, uh, uh, I mean, oh, wow. Let me try that one more time. You've, it's been a number of years it's been out and we talked a little bit about people doing their own sort of versions of the endings. What is your, what's an, uh, what's a, an alternate ending that was sort of pitched that you remember one and maybe, a, maybe a top two or three that you've, that feel like resonated with you that you got a kick out of when you watched it. Uh, you mean like of the stuff that people made themselves on YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Like, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I think there was, there's two that stand out to me. There was one and I don't remember the link to it. I apologize, but there was one where somebody literally just put a parachute on Kiwi and, and I knew like people would comment <laughs> like, I want, what does he have a parachute? That's, that's not the sound of him hitting the ground. That's the sound of the parachute. And when I finally saw right. it and I was just like, oh, okay. You know, somebody really wanted that parachute ending and they went yeah. and made it. And I thought that was very sure. sweet. The other yeah. one and um, is this guy made this entire series of videos, and I think he made about 40 minutes of content around this. Okay, and wow. so, yeah, it's like in four or five parts, and each one is like 10 minutes, and it's about other Kiwis investigating the mystery of the Kiwi that fell off the cliff and disappeared. And so, like, um, this might be a little niche, but if anybody remembers how the dialogue happens in Metal Gear Solid, there's like two mm. characters like talking and like, you know, the, the text at the bottom, he would make these dialogues between like a Kiwi with sunglasses, who is a field agent and a Kiwi in a lab looking at logistics and like, what happened to this Kiwi report back agent, blah, blah, blah. And oh, like, he made, this is like 40 minute story <laughs> just around. The film. And that was wow. the one like me that one is king like i i was so amazed oh, and yeah. i was like chuckling throughout the whole thing so i really like that that's awesome i um i i i, I could just only imagine how fun that would be have seeing other people somehow take something that you started and just 
riff on it and 40 minutes of content just around this this cute little character yeah. that like i just i just love it they they, they it's almost like he needed to know more he, he this this character yeah. needs a backstory and like we gotta it's so good that's so good um we uh we're coming up on um the third sort of the 30 mo 30 minutes left mark i want to make sure that because there was a lot of activity in chat i want to make sure that people get a chance to ask their questions or just to you know bring up some topics here while we have you. That being mm -hmm. said, um, make sure that if you are in chat, make sure you put a Q colon before the questions. It makes things a lot easier when I'm scanning through looking for questions. Otherwise, I have to kind of like read all the little posts and, and, and discern whether or not it's just a comment versus a question. So if you have already posted a question, assume that I did not see it and maybe post it again with a, a Q uh, colon, and that would make things a lot easier for me. I appreciate it. Thank you in advance. Um, but in the, while I wait for that to happen, because I know that there were some questions up there or some just even some some statements. Statements work too. Um, if you wanted uh, to throw something into the conversation, that's, that's more than welcome. Um, okay, so... Um, this, I, so obviously you're bringing the same spirit, the same person who, who, who years ago didn't even know what they were embarking on, didn't know, had any idea what, how explosive this thing would be and how it would literally ingrain itself into YouTube pop culture. Um, but now here you are. Now you, you, here you are many years later. You're, you're starting a relatively new job over at Nickelodeon. Um, like, what are your aspirations at this point? Are you like, um, are you ha like, do you, do you, do you think that maybe it would be great to come up with a show one day and be like a showrunner? Like, uh, what's, what's on your mind? Like, do you have a kind of a vision of what the future looks like for Dying Permitty? Yeah, I think, and I, I think that's still kind of crystallizing in a way. Uh, because oh, sure. where I was before Nickelodeon, like I said, I was working on so many different kinds of projects that it was sort of hard to know what my direction would be, if that makes sense. Like I've, I've always tried to market myself as an animator, like particularly a, a character animator, but I have had to do other things like, um, like, like, like gaming, for example, or like VR and stuff. And, you know, I, I wasn't sure like, you know, there's this sort of insecurity, like, oh, I'm, I'm getting older, it might be hard to kind of switch lanes at this stage, blah, blah, blah. So I was trying to figure out what my next moves were going to be. So, you know, for a long time, I, I thought like, okay, I need to start getting into Unreal. You know, I, I, I like, hmm. I, I like designing like environments, I like to walk around environments, you know, like, and a lot of jobs, because we're, we're using Unreal or Unity, um, because there were like, either, um, like live events or um, AR or VR. And because I was getting a lot of work like that, I was thinking like, okay, maybe this is my direction. Like, cause like I've sort of um, touched upon briefly, like in, in a way I, I haven't had a lot of direction in my head. I didn't know which way I was going, especially from the beginning. And I guess I just wanted to be flexible. But now that I am at Nickelodeon, um, I think I might want to start like, kind of like you said, exploring like what, you know, uh, yeah. other, uh, things I can do while I'm there. Like I, I've always liked coming up with like gags and, and jokes mm -hmm. and like, um, and, and, and funny situations and stuff besides just animating. So I, I, I want to see where that gets me. I think there's definitely like a lot I still need to learn if I want to sort of get to that point, but I think Join I'm in a club. good place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's always, there's always something to learn and stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, I think in a way I, I'm in a, I'm in a new place that, uh, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I think I'm in a great place to learn if that makes sense. Oh, for you sure. know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. You have, you're have you in a good spot to learn, but you also, you're also you also in a good spot to grow. Like you pretty much have a platform yeah. to do whatever you feel like you need to do right now. That, that, that must feel very good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I do have some questions floating in here. I got a question from sleep, sure. sleep deprived animator. I'll bring it up here. Um, let's see here. The question is any fears of being typecasted because of Kiwi? Typecast. No, no, because I think that that kind of came and went fairly quickly. Mm. I I think, um, like I mentioned before, around 2007 and 2008, maybe a little bit 2009, I was sort of getting calls to like animate cute mm. things, you know, mm -hmm. and um, that's probably the closest I felt to being typecasted. There was a time where, maybe a few years after that, where there'd be sort of like they'd look at my reel and they'd see lots of cute characters. They'd be like, well, we can't do this job because this is supposed to be a photo reel thing. Well, it's like, I mean, to be honest, I had to explain, like, I can animate, I can make things move. It doesn't matter if it's cute or real. So mm -hmm. at that point, I feel like I was able to sort of convince people like, okay, you know, I don't, I'm not just the Kiwi guy. I can do other things. So um, it already kind of happened. It was minor, but I think I'm kind of well past that at this point. Oh, that's funny. Typecast. I, I didn't, I, I guess I could, it makes sense. I mean, when I first read the question, I'm like, do animators get typecast? But they, I guess they kind of do. They do all the time on like, even just, even if it's not like a type of animation, sometimes you can get typecast as the person who's really good at the acting shots or even more specific. You, you yeah. should, that person's really good at the main character like they, the, the, the you see the main character is a female and they're like uh let's say like uh you know there's there's a couple people that are like the go-to obvious choices for like throwing them the difficult shots that are like this this happens all the time in productions it's not really a conscious thing that people do on purpose to typecast but it does happen for sure from a directorial yeah. point of view i know who i'd rather send a, a, a certain shot to for sure that's yeah funny. exactly it's, it's, and it's, I, I think it, to a certain ahead, degree like there's it, an audio delay Go ahead, oh yeah, ahead. sorry about that. Um, no, it, no, don't be. Yeah, I, I I definitely seen that in production, like that side that you spoke about, where it's like this person is probably more geared towards action shots. This person's more geared towards, like you know, close up acting and stuff. Like I could sort of like I see how that you know playing to people's strengths in terms of like giving mm -hmm. out tasks. But um, I also feel like I've seen the other side of it, where I've seen you know somebody toss out a reel because they looked at the reel and they're like. Well, uh, they yeah. can't do what we need to do. And it's like, I, the animation they're showing is really good. I think they, they could probably mm. apply that. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like um, it's a dead end or anything. Yeah, so. that's true. I, I brought this up a couple of times on stream that I think sometimes that problem lies with recruiting because um, a, a recruiter um, often, you know, they, they know if they're recruiting for a certain area of a company like animation, they'll have a basic understanding of what's good and what's bad. But I've actually right. witnessed, I've witnessed recruiters be like, no, this is no one's going to be interested to look at this. The animation was amazing, but it wouldn't, it wasn't the kind of animation that you'd see, let's say, for instance, in a game that that company makes. And it's like, um, yeah. but it's, still super applicable like it's like it was a for instance it's like a you know it's ea and they make you know that that particular division of ea where it makes like the, you know the nhl hockey games and you know someone's doing a bunch of stuff on their demo reel that's got like fantasy stuff like you know but it's still it's still action stuff right it's basically if they can animate yeah. a person swinging a sword and attacking a dragon they can absolutely do the hockey stuff if they were interested i, I would i would i'd be wondering if they'd be even interested to do the hockey stuff because it's a it may be a bit drier than than dragons and and 
and and swords. But yeah, that you're yeah. right. It does happen sometimes. People sort of they build these sort of these divisions in their mind. They're like, oh no, that that's that, that's not applicable to what we do here. When it's maybe possibly very much is. Yeah, I've yeah. I've been asked. I was on one job one time where I animated like full characters, like fingers, eyes, and body and stuff. And then I was yeah. asked by a producer, like, after this job, uh, we have another one coming. We need to animate some text. Can you do that? And it's like, no, no, sorry. That's my day, Greg. Way, way too difficult for me. I can stick to the fingers, yeah, yeah. Thank, thankfully. I, I, it's funny because, um, you know, people people who just never animated they just don't know they just don't know they they just don't make assumptions they they think they see that as being very 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 different which i guess in some cases it is right i mean motion graphics is in itself a very different art form like it's it requires a sort of level of graphic design and other sort of nuanced sort of art skills that you might not have developed as an animator but i guess that you know there's a blurry line there too i think a lot of people could probably kind of take a crack at it and see if they if they can manage (laughs) yeah. <laughs> that's funny yeah i remember the my first job interview for a game company was like and i was sending him all the stuff and i was i started as a traditional animator um so i did everything by hand and the first question at a video game company and it was at silicon knights which is in st Catharines, ontario i don't even know if they're even around anymore but they asked me yeah but do you know how to do a cycle and i'm like like I thought it was like a trick question and I was d- almost deeply offended by it to be completely honest. I'm like, uh, dude, I just went to school for animation. Like I'm, I'm sure I, I, I definitely learned how to do cycles. And it's funny because I think what they were trying to say is, have you ever made like cycles for a game before? Like, do you, do you understand that games are all about these cycles yeah. and you right, might get right. bored doing that? Like, I think that's what they meant to say, but like I had to like be yeah. working in the game industry long enough to understand that, you know, almost reverse engineer that question from many, many years ago. That's pretty exactly. funny. Um, I got another question here from none other than none none other than Mr. Scott Hewitt, man behind the scenes. Donnie, I'd be really interested to hear about your experiences in directing children's television. What makes a good children's series, and and advice for aspiring animators that would want to be in your shoes? Because it's maybe a little bit wow. new, right? Two 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 months in. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope I can. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely have an experience of it for sure. I, I just hope it's reflective of what it actually is, you know? Mm. Um, but mm. I think, um, like what makes, I, I, the, the role that I'm doing right now is sort of trying to maintain, like, uh, try to maintain a quality of animation, but also like pay attention to if things are working technically as well, if that makes sense. So like, you know, uh, is the lip sync working? the audio like or are the are the characters looking where they need to be looking like or Hmm. is is are these things in place so that the story is moving forward um i think that's um kind of the stuff that we look out for in the job i think you know in terms of getting ready for that kind of uh job that's that's kind of a hard question to answer i i guess I'll just speak for myself and say that I've I've had a good amount of time, you know, uh, working in animation. And over the probably the last five years, I've had more like lead and supervising roles. And I think definitely that's helped me prepare me for this job because there is sort of a lot of drawovers and notes to kind of hmm. deal with. Um, just just so that like um, 
you know, TV animation, um, as a lot of people might, lo- might know, is a lot of it's done, you know, overseas. Uh, so there's a lot of back and forth, like just communication, I think is the biggest thing. So maybe I kind of meandered my way to the answer just now. So I, I think um, don't don't just be, you know, a good animator and know like what good animation is and, and, and stuff like that. But you also have to be able to communicate, you know, the uh, good animation or give good feedback, give good critique, try to learn how to, um, you know, say the right thing to get the best work out of, you know, an animator and stuff. So um, I, I, I realize it's not like a crystal clear answer um, because I think- It's not an easy question. Yeah, and I think I'll probably be able to answer it better in a year, maybe. Yeah, so, yeah we'll but, bring um, you back so far, get you the retrospective. Yeah. In, I would say though, the experience overall has been really positive and amazing. Um, I just, I love like that I can engage people that I haven't really been able to work closely with before, like storyboard artists or, or the, the showrunners and stuff like that. Like sort of getting, seeing sort of how that the sausage gets made, you know, uh, from episode to episode, story to story, like what are the things that they, they, you know, want to concentrate on and stuff like that. So I, I'm still kind of learning, but so far it's been great. Um, it's, you, you made a really good point about, um, about, uh, communication. I think that obviously if you want to move up the ranks, if you're, this, this is not obviously just for, 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 for television, but I think it's for any, any animation production. I think that if you are really interested in moving up the ranks, um, communication skills is is just gigantic. Like what Donnie was just saying, you're, you're going to, your, your role will change from being a doer to being someone who's like a force multiplier, someone who's able to help coach, help give feedback, essentially be quality control. Like, and so all of those things that I'm mentioning all require a level of soft skills that allow you to communicate with your team, um, help, help provide support to your team and help them essentially make a good product. And you'll, so it'll, it'll feel weird at first because you will be like, well, but I mean, I'm comfortable animating like this whole, so this whole social dynamic part of that job may not be super comfortable at first. And maybe it's not even for you. You might even, I know lots of people who've tried wearing the shirt of a supervisor at some point, And then like, you know what? Yeah. No, no, I'd just, honestly, I'd rather just go back to my desk and animate. Cause I think that that's what I prefer to do. It's um, it's an unfortunate truth to to leadership positions is you really do need to that that's just a big part of the job. It's really big. Yeah, I, and I guess if I had to give some advice about that aspect, it's like, you know, maybe one of the reasons is that some people feel like they don't want to sort of develop those soft skills outside of animating. Um, mm-hmm. But I also feel like if you can kind of lean into that discomfort a little bit, you you can kind mm-hmm. of get more comfortable. If that makes sense, like. You know, I, I know for me, it's it was sort of like being able to write something clearly enough so that the person reading it can know exactly what you're talking about, or being able to have like conversations with like clients or with like your directors, like and and being able to have those conversations in a productive way, like that can be scary at first, right? Because you don't want to say the wrong thing, or you want to make sure you're if you do say something, you're you're kind of it's relevant and and it's contributing yeah. and stuff and. You know, there's definitely like a little bit of a, uh, um, a journey with that as well. But I think, you know, the more you can kind of try to lean into that discomfort or like the, of those social situations, um, I think the better. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Leaning in is like really the only way forward, really, <laughs> if, you're, if you're really yeah. interested in that, that kind of a job. 
Um, yeah. and, and just know that it's totally normal, that it's not something that, um, some people are just natural at it. I think, um, most people need to work a little bit at it. Um, but you know, it's, it's you're going to be somewhere in that spectrum of like feeling really uncomfortable and feeling actually very comfortable. And even the people that feel very, very comfortable, they are, they're still, they're, they're, they're still wondering if they're saying the right thing, at least sometimes. And they're, yeah. they're still, they still yeah. suffer from the, the, the imposter syndrome that we always talk about on the, on the stream. Like it's, it's a thing. And in the only way to get better at it, if you're really interested in getting better at it is, is like what Donnie's saying is just lean in. Um, yep. I got, I got more questions piling up here. Let's see. Um, sure. let me know. I, Scott's got another one. But I'll come back to it just so I can mix things up a little bit. We got one here from Ellie Nick. To piggyback off of what Brent just said, is it possible to be successful in animation and not step into leadership roles? I feel like that's the logical next step for most people, but I want to know what your opinion about this is. It's a very good question. Yeah, that's, I, I think 100%. Yeah, for sure. You can definitely um, be successful in animation. Like I know there's people, and not just like animators, but like somebody who's, um, you know, a specialist who's like a modeler or someone who's a specialist, like an illustrator. Like I think... Some people have super rewarding and successful careers, kind of being the best of that. You know what I mean? And they get pulled onto projects, and 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 they sometimes they can name their rate, you know, and stuff like that. And and by the way, when I'm saying this stuff, like I'm probably speaking less about TV and more about kind of the freelance animation world. Um, so because I'm, like like I said before, I'm still kind of learning about uh, TV, but I do feel like there have been examples and, and I've, I've kind of, I've gone to some like conferences that talk about this and stuff, how sometimes there's the artist who's really good at what they do. And then you put them in a leadership role and then they become unhappy. And then the people who work with them unhappy. And then, you know, it turns out the solution is like, this person's just really good at just, you leave them alone, let them make their own thing. And the stuff they come out with is just amazing. And like, that's okay too. So, you know, earlier when I said lean into your discomfort, it's like, it's okay if you don't lean into it either. It just depends on what you want to do. But I absolutely think 100%, if you don't want to, you know, be on meetings all the time or do a lot of writing and you just want to create, you just want to do keyframes, you just want to draw, you just want to do metallic shaders or all the time, like there's definitely paths forward for sort of specializing in that, you know, what you want to do yeah. for sure. I to totally agree. I think that, um, you know, it, there is, it's a bit of an epidemic to be completely honest with you that there's this, unfortunately not, not enough, not enough people are talking about this topic because there's this weird assumption and almost this, this sort of perceived pressure to actually find yourself in these sort of more management like roles because, because it's like, well, but you want to feel like you're continuing to, to climb that ladder, right? There's this ladder, there's yeah. this un invisible ladder, no matter where you're working. And where it becomes a little bit difficult is, is the only way to travel past senior animator at most companies is to become a lead or, and or uh, some sort of supervisor or director. And that's just simply not in the cards for some people, probably most people. I think that on average, you maybe have what, maybe five, 10% of the population that are really, truly great leaders. Um, and, and I think that that's okay. I think it's okay to admit that. The, the trick is working at a company that, and this is good, a really good, um, a really good interview question, to be honest, is find out what the policy is at the company as far as lateral promotion. There's a new kind of mm -hmm. hot buzzword these days. It's been around for a while now on this sort of this concept of lateral promotions to avoid this weird bottleneck. Because what 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 happens with that pressure if it's left unchecked, and the pressure of people wanting to make more money and they want to get more recognition for all the time 
time and loyalty and effort they've been putting into a company, they find themselves in management positions that they suck at. And you know what happens? Right. Now you just now the company and the team just lost a, probably a really good senior animator and gained right. a disgruntled, jaded, probably very unhappy manager that the team doesn't like. They don't like being a manager and every and then they probably often leave. They leave the company and then sometimes they've even seen, seen it ruin people's careers because they're just like they get totally turned off and they didn't quite connect with the fact that the problem isn't them. The problem is, is they ended up transitioning to a job that they're just not really either A, prepared for at this time or B, not comfortable with at all. End, stop, full stop, like not don't want to go there. So ask about it because people are starting coming up with these positions like principal animator roles and other types of roles that allow you to continue to progress and get more sort of stripes on your sleeve as it were um but without having to jump into a management like role so definitely ask it in an interview it's a very good question to ask yeah and and i feel like um that that's kind of like what i was talking about earlier where like you know you have the the really good artists who've put in the management role and they just become unhappy you know and, and you realize you just kind of screwed up the dynamic of the the team and, and the productivity and stuff but um yeah and then um oh, i was gonna say something else too uh to jump off what you just said but I think I forgot it, so we can move on. It happens all the time to me. I know that I yeah. know how it feels. In the meantime, I will uh, break the silence with uh, another question from Scott. Scott asked, "What have you learned about clear communication, and how have you refined getting the point across through text and across languages?" So, like, what you know, were were there some obstacles? What were the big initial learnings from this? Like, did was it difficult for you at first? And what you know, what were the tricks that you started to employ? Oof, that's a really good question. I think it, I wouldn't call it a trick, but, and, and maybe like, this is something I'm still in the process of kind of developing that. Like I, I do write a lot and I, I write a lot because I, I just want to make sure that like all the information that you need is there and it's clear. Um, I don't know if I can necessarily distill it into like a trick or a hack or anything, but, um, I, I think I just I just try to give an overabundance of information so that there's like a reliable kind of Bible, I guess, or something, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes um, sense. Because, because I I mean, it's what's funny is I, I do think the pandemic has sort of kind of forced us a little bit to kind of lean and develop those skills more because previously we we'd share an office and we'd be able to have this back and forth dynamic to get to a solution, right? Or to like talk to an idea. Now it's like an email or a post or like the, and then you wait for a response. And then sometimes you have like the video calls, but then constant video calls also eats into your production time. Oh, so man. I think I'm just, yeah, I, I think I'm just always trying to figure out a way, like, how do I put this down in words so that it's yeah. that we don't have to spend a lot of time hashing out, but it's also useful mm -hmm. to refer to in case you sort of needed an answer to a question or something like that. So you know, it was it's very therapeutic here, hearing you say that because you know I I've been working as a supervisor for quite some time now in this industry and and I still struggle with this. I mean, um, I mean I enjoy communicating. If I didn't, I wouldn't do this show naturally. But I think that um, you know communicating socially like this is very different than communicating um, you know direction. And I think that that that's something that took me and I'm still learning to this day. And and I think the reason why I'm learning is because there's new curveballs being thrown at us all the time. The pandemic, working from home, um, suddenly yeah. you find yourself trying to direct a team and not be able to go face to face in a, in a boardroom and just, you know, connect with people physically. These things have created all kinds of new challenges. Slack, a new tool that just exploded and now everyone's using it. But 
people, most people I know don't know how to use it properly. They end up uh, creating separate, like, you know, personal chats that have like certain number of people in it mm -hmm. rather than just having that chat in a, in a channel and just ping the people. The whole point is visibility, right? But I mean, it, it's, it's just one thing after another trying to master these things. One thing I've actually interestingly learned over the last, um, you know, couple of years, and I think it came down to me doing a lot of this kind of stuff that made me more comfortable putting video content. So what I would do sometimes is if I feel really behind on things, I'll make some rough notes and I'll just do a quick video of me explaining my thoughts on a thing. So if uh -huh. I need to give feedback on something, I'll make a video feedback. And then in that way, people can watch it and, and, and they get some of the, the more, the, the more, you know, nuanced details that I have. I struggle with, you know, you, you know, finding the, the text like words, you know, just cause it's the delivery of, of, of speaking that I find is sometimes better at communicating an idea than just dry text, you know? But I mean, yeah. I think it comes down That's to, you know, where you're where, what you're most comfortable doing sorry donnie yeah no that's that's actually really good and and uh i mean I, i've done that i did that once where i, I acted out something and like sent it over mm. to an animator yeah. but i think i i in a way i, I might steal that in the future you know <laughs> just kind of do it because like I know, it might be faster than me like spending all that time proofing the 10 paragraphs i just wrote you know <laughs> so it's like i'll just yeah I'll that's just it about yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true so because there's something about you got to get you got to get over the the, the the idea of the camera rolling, though, because at, at first that would made it very difficult. And I would be like, I wanted it to be like the delivery to be perfect. And and it's like yeah. some when and this is easy because it's a conversation. I'm just like on a Zoom call, basically. And, you know, it's live. Mm -hmm. It took me a while to get comfortable with the fact that it was live. But then it's like then you just you're like, well, it's live. Let's just like whatever. Just go and just figure it out. But when it's just you by yourself and the camera's recording and then you want to say some things that yeah. are articulate, I at first really struggled with it. Now I'm much more comfortable. I just like I just turn it on and I go. And if it's a little rambly sometimes, oh, well, I mean, it's better than like literally spending two hours trying to perfect an email that I'm eventually yeah. not going to really get get the idea across anyways. I mean, we at, at Agora Community, if you're new here, we, we offer uh, you the ability to book people, um, professionals, professional animators to look at your work. And, and basically that's kind of, that, that's where I got the idea. It's like, I do this all the time when people are like looking for feedback on their work. So why not always when I can provide feedback in context to the work itself and just making, so I do this at work all the time. I'll play the game because I work in video games right now and I'll play the game. Mm -hmm. I'll record myself playing it. And then what I'll do is I'll take that recording and put it in sync sketch. And then in sync sketch, I take my time and I look for bits and I make notes and I make drawovers. And then I record myself reviewing the, 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 the work in, in sync sketch. And then I put that out. And so I can give people the sync sketch uh, link. So if they want to go and take a look at the text notes that I did in preparation for it, but they're just kind of high level yeah. point form. And then if they want um, a more in-depth sort of understanding of what I'm thinking, they will like watch and listen the, to the actual review where I'm scrubbing and really identifying the actual problems. And it's, that helps a ton, especially with this whole remote idea. Cause otherwise live, you just sit in a boardroom, play the game and just talk about it. People are taking notes, but this is a pretty yeah. good replacement and even better because they can go back and rewind it and listen to it again, making sure that yeah. they understand. And, and you're, you're cutting out all the fat, like of like what yeah. a meeting would do or, or whatever exactly. and stuff. You just, it's concise. That's, that sounds great. Yeah, it's, 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 it's dense with information that they need on a very specific thing that they're looking for feedback on basically. Yeah. Um, uh, we got seven minutes left. I got another couple questions here. Let's do the, Oh no, actually I did that one already, but I got another one from Scott. Scott's prolific today with, with his questions. Let's, let's humor him and keep them coming. Um, 
is so what about the reverse? What about not being, Oh, this is back when we were talking. Okay. So what about not being the strongest right. animator, but having good soft skills? Cause a little while ago we were talking about, you know, what happens if you're just an animator and you might not want to go into a more of a management role. What do you do then? Okay. What if it's the reverse? What if you actually don't feel like yeah. that's your strength of animating, but your actual real strength is helping people around you. It's a good question. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I, and, and, I, and I, I have had some thoughts on this. And like, th again, this might sound unnecessarily self-deprecating, but I also feel like it's kind of an interesting <laughs> thing about is that sometimes I never thought I was the best animator. You know what I mean? Um, like where, where I've gotten to in terms of like sort of the lead animation positions is that there was this desire to kind of be able to have more say in what we're animating. You know, like when I started animating as a career, like, It'd be like, this is what you're animating. This is how we're moving the story forward. Just make it move. And and for me, I was like, well, I think I'd like to move up because I'd like to be able to have a voice in why the characters are moving the way they're moving or when and stuff like that. So I think that's why I kind of started moving that way. But I also felt like to a certain degree, as I was becoming like a lead and then or a senior and then a lead animator, um, I was actually sort of keyframing less as I was making that journey, mm. you know, and I was sort of kind of pulled in different directions. Like, do I, do I do like a, a 11 second club thing every month and like really work on like, mm. you know, my acting stuff or do I mm. like, what, what do I need to focus on to strengthen what my day job needs from me and stuff. And so yeah. I feel like I kind of bounced around between those. Like, you know, I, I felt like I wanted to move up because I want to be able to have an impact on the story, but I also felt like, maybe this is a good direction for me to move into because I'm not the strongest animator uh, or I, I feel like I'm not like my, my character animation skills aren't at the level that like some people like, you know, Disney or Fortiche or uh, Pixar are at and stuff like that. So, I mean, those are things I could definitely considered. I don't know if I would really fall one way or another, you know, definitively, but I'll, I, I have sort of considered that when I was moving up and, and in a mm. weird way, it's just like, well, I am keyframing a lot less right now. So, <laughs> you know, maybe like, maybe this is a good direction. So I'm not sure. I, sometimes I still want to, sometimes I still want to just uh, take a rig and, and just animate something on my own, yep. you know, but um, I, we'll see, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that there are jobs like lead quote unquote jobs or like supervising animators as opposed to the director positions. These are the jobs that are typically the hybrids, you know, on productions where you are essentially helping a team and you're like the first pass filter of feedback for a director. And you're usually in charge of driving a team. Um, yep. But you're also animating. And um, I find that to be completely honest with people, I find that a very tricky position and you need to mm -hmm. you need to take a job like that with eyes wide open because the thing that I find that people struggle with is if you are truly <laughs> people find themselves often on one side of the, of the of the spectrum or the other and either you are you really like your priority is helping people and you really enjoy the process of helping your team you will find yourself um, having a hard time getting your own shots done because you'll spend the whole day helping your team. And then those people are often the ones staying late at night doing their own shots. And that's not really all that fair or great. And um, those people tend to burn out. The other side can actually, also true is go ahead, go ahead. Jump say, in. I, can, I can, I can relate to that actually, like, okay. like you said, and also to start to like extend off that, especially in the realm of CG, there's a lot of technical aspects that you need mm. to kind of, keep track yeah. of as well and i have found it where 
my my lead or my supervisor tasks actually involve troubleshooting broken stuff. Yeah, you know, like why is this alembic going here? Why isn't this asset showing textures? Why are the teeth flying out of the character's face? And so, in a way, um, because you know, like you said before, like when you're at a different companies, you kind of kind of find out what those companies are about and how they kind of label their positions. Because sometimes I've been in a role where I'm only commenting on animation. And sometimes I've been in a role where I'm playing technical support so that the animators can do their jobs. Like, here's your pose library. Here's how you open your scene. Here's your folder structure. Oh, this is broken. Let me look into your file and fix it for you. You know, like I've had to do a lot of that as well. So like, yeah, just like you said, like sometimes you kind of organically fall into like, you're good at helping people. That's it. And, 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 and those, those are the right people. Those are the people that you want to eventually probably become directors or like be in sort of a management role because their focus is the team, you know, and, and it, it becomes very difficult. I find, I find, unfortunately, the industry kind of grinds on those people and burn them out, which is really sad because it's, it's very difficult to do. You're essentially doing two jobs. And it's not like you've been explicitly, this depends, of course, the company you work for. It's probably not that you've been specifically asked to do this. It's just, it's just naturally what happens because the day is full of troubleshooting, like you said, and helping people. You want to unblock your team. You're a supervisor after all. Make sure your team is unblocked. But so many companies screw this up. It, it, I shed a tear every time, every time I see some idiotic decision made by a production team that think it's okay to put leads in a position that then they are expected to do a lot of work on their own. I think that in my opinion, you are, you've, you're, you're drunk on something if you're production planning, um, a, a, especially a television series because they're so tight for timing and, and you're sitting there thinking and you're putting your leads on the map as far as the absolute, like their, their quota that they need to get done is like needs to get done. If you're smart, you'll consider all that stuff gravy, icing on the cake, yeah. relief. If the, if, the, if the lead can spend the time doing it, it just means less for the team to have to worry about taking the pressure off. But if you are, if they're committed now, now they're gonna be stressed out and they're gonna be of course spending their evenings working because they don't wanna fail the other side of their job, which is because they're doing two jobs. The other side of the equation yeah. is also true. I've seen su supervisors that don't care so much about the team and they just, they're drunk with power. They just, they wanted a lead job because they wanted to boss people around. This is, thank God, less often than the other the other um the other end of the spectrum and those people don't make good leads either because they're not you know what i mean they might be getting their shots done they sometimes want to be leads so they can assign themselves the best juiciest shots i've seen it before and um <laughs> that's also not not great it, it's it's going to have a negative yeah. impact on the team that way as well the truth should be lying in the middle somewhere i think and um you know yeah you don't and, know until you're I in think, that position sometimes too yeah and i, I think you know over the years uh i, I had felt that mind a little bit I also tried to, I mean, it, and it's happened, like it's it's over with, but I also feel like I can sort of glean something positive out of it in the sense that it sort of helped me become a little bit more nimble and flexible. So whenever sure. I start a new job, I don't like have a panic attack. <laughs> it's like, I've been in that situation where it's like, okay, yeah. so there's no pipeline. Okay, we have to figure something out. Or, yeah. uh, you know, it just like you arrive and you find out there's no tracks for the railroad or for the train yeah. and stuff. So yeah. I, I am so thankful. Like, yeah. You know, cause like in the past I would have said like, oh, I want to work at Pixar. I want to be an animator. And like, I didn't do that at all. After I graduated, I worked a whole bunch mm -hmm. of small jobs. Sometimes I wasn't even animating on some of those jobs. I had mm -hmm. one job, mm -hmm. like they brought me as an animator, but then they had me keying out uh uh frizzy hair on on 
footage plates. You know, so it's like I I, <laughs> I, I would be put in these situations where it's like I this isn't what I do, but okay, I'll do it. And even mm-hmm. though I've been through that a lot, I, I feel like it's also given me a lot of like a bigger skill set over time, which is kind of nice. So um, there there's definitely the burnout, but there's definitely this sort of aspect of making you feel like you're prepared for anything. So yeah, that makes sense. I'm, it's like I'm I'm thankful for, you know. Trial by so fire, just, right? It galvanizes you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it can definitely, definitely fry you for sure. I'm not gonna say it won't. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. um yeah, I, I just I, I think it just gives me confidence when I whenever I start something new. So I never, I never thought of that because I mean, those positions can be a little hairy um, and you know, there is more stress on you than, than, than your, than sort of the average yeah. animator, because you are worried a bit more about the deadlines and you're worried about more than just your deadline. You're worried about your team members' deadlines. You're worried about a lot of things. And so, yeah, I mean, getting good at multitasking is going to be a key thing you're going to have to figure out. It's like, otherwise you're just going to sink and getting good at yep. triaging, like what meetings do I not need to go to? This is a problem I still struggle with in a leadership position is I have a tendency of, I'm not a control freak um, at all. As a matter of fact, I'm super happy to give ownership to and delegating um, things to people. But I feel like I often don't do it not because I don't trust the other person. I do it because I don't want to make more work for another person. So I tend to allow myself to get sucked into more of these conversations than I really need to be a part of. Not because I feel like I need to be a part of everything. It's just because I don't know. And it, it, this is something I'm still trying to get good at. I have a hard time saying, you know what? No, I'm not. not There's a struggle where it's like, is it, is it faster for me to do it? Or is it faster for me to walk somebody through this? Mm -hmm. And, and, um, And and sometimes you just always lean on, well, it's just faster for me to do it, but then you start killing yourself because you're doing everything. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I I totally know what you're talking about. We, um, just give me one second here. Um, what's going on with my feed here? Something's going on here. Hold on a second. Okay, fine. Broke in there for a second. Um, so I have one last question. Do you mind staying for another couple minutes to to, to feel yeah. this last one? Okay, yeah, perfect. No problem. We got well this one here by yet another question from sleep deprived animator. This question is Donnie, what do you specifically do about avoiding ba- burnout? Like, do you have early signs? What is it? What is your trick? Oh man! I, first of all, I, I, the name is definitely appropriate for the question. Um, <laughs> it sure is. It's on. It's on theme. Yeah, it's on theme. Man, I, it's hard to say because, yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest. I, I think I'm still working on that as well. Mm. I think maybe as I get older, it's, it, it might be, it might start to be about like whether you really think it's fair to put yourself through that, if that makes sense, you know? Mm. Like, um, I, Two comp- you know, a few companies back, I remember there was one time where we, um, the producer came out and just started talking about weekends. And I, I remember like, I was just like really pushing back against it, you know? Mm. And I, I don't, I, I don't know if I was being fair or not, but I just remember thinking at the time, like, wow, I'm, I'm to that point in my life where I just will just say, I don't want to do it because like, I'm, I can't do this anymore. You know, mm-hmm. um, as far as like, if I'm just stuck in it, Maybe like, this isn't, I'm sorry, this isn't going to be the best advice, but this is just something I try to do is like, I'll try to take like a 15 minute nap 
for like a 10 minute nap. Mm-hmm. Like if you are, if you have, if you got the gun to your head and you have to work till 3am to get something done and there's no other way out, um, you know, try to, try to, try to take like frequent naps, you know, small frequent naps. I feel like that helps a lot too. I think the other, maybe the other side of, of this is that, and, and I think it's maybe another reason why I tried to become a lead was because I thought, I felt like when I was put in those positions of you have to work late, we have to get this finished. I wish I could have had a voice at the beginning of the project so that we could set it up in a way where we didn't let that happen. If that makes sense, you know? So I think maybe I think less about how to avoid burnout in when it happens and more about how do you prepare Mm -hmm. so that you don't burn out in two months, Mm -hmm. you know? So like just trying to put all your, your ducks in a row, um, and stuff like that. And I feel like, like for me specifically, it's kind of more like mundane things like, okay, make sure all your shot numbers are set up, make sure the naming convention set up, make sure that all the file paths, like all the assets, like. Uh, the, the rigs, the pose library, all the tools are where they need to be so that when the animator uh, opens their stuff up, they can just get working right away. They don't have to get stuck all day setting up a scene or looking for an asset or something like that. So I feel like if you can kind of get all your ducks in a row early on and and have a lot of questions answered, then the production hopefully will flow in a way where you're not crunching and burning people out at the very end. Uh, so I, I think that's that's probably like another reason why I, I was looking to get in senior positions because I felt like I felt like I had some some contributions to make in terms of like how to make this so we don't kill ourselves, you know. Yeah, I think it's I think I've heard people to compare it to um, like production crunches feel like more like marathons. You got to be playing the long game, you know, you got to be taking yeah. care of yourself somehow yeah. because you're no you're no good to the production if you're you you know, you're completely burnt out. So you got to as much as you feel the pressure, you need to absolutely make sure you're hydrating, make sure you are getting at least the minimum amount of sleep because I can tell you right now, I've seen people drive themselves into oblivion because they're just like but it's like it's crunch and we got to get this thing done and they literally just won't sleep for days and it's like you're you might think you're helping but you're actually not you're burning yourself out a and b your productivity is dropping like a rock you just yeah, you just don't yeah. notice it because you're so deep sleep deprived that you don't realize it's taking you like three hours to do something you should have just taken a half an hour so it's just you know be smart about it the other thing i would say is over the long term you need to also get used to taking a step back and asking yourself is this happening way too often to this company like, am I being compensated yeah. properly for this? Like, should I continue to put myself through that gr- the grinder? Is just another obvious thing that needs to be asked because, you know, you, you, no one, it shouldn't be some sort of, it's unhealthy for you. You know, it's it, I, production crunch happens all the time, but it should not be a sustainable thing or something that people expect you to sustain. It should be something that shows up like yeah. a week you know, every several months and it's like, oh, we got, it's a milestone. We got to work a little extra harder, but some companies, they just, it gets way out of control, way out of control. And those are not healthy situations. People need to be aware of it and they need to be, they have to be looking out for themselves. I think, I think definitely as I got older, I started to recognize like, you know, I'd be like, kids are in bed. I'm going to go work. And then I'm working and I can, you can tell a half hour in, I'm like, I am not being productive. There's no point in not sleeping right now. Because if I, I'm just going to be stuck where I am. So I think I definitely started to develop the ability to recognize that later as I got older. Um, and also, like like you said, when you see it in the animators that are working with you, 
I, I, you know, I'll try to let them know, like, you know, yeah. you're going to make garbage if you're not sleep. If you're tired, your, your, your work is going to be crap. Exactly. And we, we probably want you rested, you know, for this and stuff. So exactly. And like, look out for the people around you too, right? You don't have to be a supervisor of people to be like, Hey, like you're, you look tired. You should probably go home and get some rest. Like make sure that you're yeah. looking after one another, because sometimes it's just people are doing it because they feel like that they, there's like a peer expectation because there's like, they don't want to be the one that at least looks like they're leaving. You know, it shouldn't be like, you know, the Navy seal ringing the bell of shame and walking away. It's like, yeah. you're not a seal. You're not preparing for frigging combat overseas. You you're an animator, you're an artist, take care of yourself because your value will be greatly diminished if you don't. So don't just take care of yourself, take care of the people around you. I think is the and, other, and the I other think also like, and, and a message to animators too. I feel like like your supervisors and your produ the producer and the production crew would actually benefit if you speak up and say earlier than later, listen, this is gonna be a lot. Like I'm getting tired. You know what I mean? Like I feel like if if you get if you get enough lead time and know that like the crew is starting to burn out, you'll be able to kind of find those solutions uh, as opposed to somebody just staying quiet and then crashing and burning at the very end, you know, like, like let your supervisor know, like you're starting to burn out so that everyone can sort of work together to find out how to get it done in a healthy way. Yep, exactly. Um, speaking of, um, you know, being, being uh, respectful of time, it is 10 minutes after, and I don't want to, I don't want to, um, you know, steal from you any more of your, your precious time. Um, so I, I do think we should probably wrap it up and, and, and just one last final thought. It's funny cause you did mention the, the universal, um, the universal balancer of all things is kids. Uh, you said, you know, getting older, but I think one of the key things probably for you, if you, if you were to take a step back and reflect, kids really do provide a lot of perspective because it's like when you're now in a situation where you're, and not everyone has kids and some of you are really young and I get that. It's sad that it requires, it's, it's sad that this kind of amazing perspective uh, provider happens usually later in people's lives because yeah. I don't know about you, Donnie, but like I, I get to the point where it's like, okay, I could work all weekend for this job, right? Because it's because we're behind, we need to do these things, or I could spend time with my beautiful daughter. Which one am I like? I mean, the, the, that just being a, a parent can can be a very, very nice balancer. Um, and uh, so, you know, but it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a dad or a mom or an, a, just a guardian no. in general. You could just just make sure you put more value on your family and your friends. Like make sure like, you know, it's just not, don't don't let jo your job become the only thing that drives you, I think is the basic, yeah. the basic thing you always exactly. keep in mind. It and it, it kind of like, it's, it's sort of, I mean, everyone, people, most people who have kids, they decided they wanted to have kids. But I also feel like once the kids are there, you have no choice. Like they that's are, your, that's it. I mean, they, you love them, of course, but they are a priority that you need to attend yeah. to. And, yeah. and it, it's kind of, it's nice having that reminder that you need to look out for yourself, especially when yep. you're working. And stuff like, like that. So exactly, exactly. Find that thing, you know, that that helps remind you. We have an automatic thing. I mean, Donnie and I have this automatic thing called a child, a yeah. dependent that that requires our our love and our affection and our care. But like, you know, there's other people in your lives that care that depend on you too for your 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 laughs, your companionship, all these other things. So don't uh, don't think that you have to you know produce some human in the world before you actually have to start caring for somebody like no. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah Donnie, yeah. I want. 
I want to thank you for being here. It was awesome to meet you. I have to say that I was nerding out a little bit because I I remember when that when your when your short film dropped many many years ago, and when I saw that you were going to be a guest on the show, and I'm like, oh wait, he, I see, and I went back and looked at, it. I'm like, oh my god, this he did this. So it was really fun to meet the man behind that and um, and gain some perspective. And I learned a lot from this conversation, and uh, I'm sure the community did as well. So I just want to thank you very very much for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for everyone who came on to listen. Um, this yeah, is, this was really absolutely. fun. It was, it was nice and comfortable. Yeah, good. Maybe and I, maybe I can drag you back in um, a year from now, and we can talk retrospectively about how this new sure. new chapter in your life, your professional life, uh, how it panned out, and what your think what your thoughts are now. Uh, well, then I guess if we're talking about the future, it'd be really good yeah, to kind yeah. of uh, have a little bit of a, a revisitation on this. So don't be yeah, like don't don't be, a, be uh, surprised. I'll have an eye patch. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's things right. that you're yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's like I'm from the future. You must escape now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, like, we'll don't we'll listen see. to we'll this see. interview. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay, Donnie, enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, you're awesome. Thank Thanks you. so much for ch- chatting and hanging out. Cheers, dude. Bye, everyone. That was fun. Thank you very much, everybody, for being in chat. Um, obviously, this, these streams would be pretty boring without you. Again, don't be afraid. I mean, if you're new here, you got a question or a thought, just drop it in there. But you got to give me some indicator that you want me to bring it up on stream because um, it's difficult to be, um, you know, having the conversation, but also being able to very easily pay attention to every single comment. So I may not, and even if I do, I may see an amazing question, but it's like by the time it's go, it's it's by the time it's uh, the time to take questions, it's long gone and buried up above the the uh, the chat scroll somewhere. So just, you know, when it's, when it comes time to, when I, when I send the, when I shoot the flare up and say, it's time for questions, just, just drop it again and put a cue in front of it. And uh, I'll, I'll see it. And even if it doesn't even have to be a question, it could just be some sort of topic that you want to bring up. That's pertinent to the conversation at, uh, at the, at the time, just put a cue in cue colon in front of it. I'll, I'll, put, I'll be able to pull it out right away. Uh, this was our officially our first, um, um, affiliate, affiliated disc, uh, disc, uh, sorry, Twitch affiliated, uh, stream. Uh, some of you who might've showed up really late in the game might've been presented with a 15 second, um, advertisement. I'm sorry. I have no control over it. The only thing I can do is put an ad at the very beginning, which gives uh, the first half an hour, um, of the stream where people are usually kind of rolling in it, uh, it protects them from that, that pre-roll. So uh, if I could turn it off, I would. So, um, someone just gifted f- f- subs for real. Well, if for real, if someone just did that, that's awesome. Um, thank you. I, I I need to um I need to up the stream uh, a little bit. I I didn't do it today. I did it on the um in the, during the twenty four hour challenge. The um I've I I want to find a way of celebrating people doing follows and stuff, um with some cool animations. But um I need I need to work on that a little bit before I get it. <laughs> Crab nuts. He discovered his um he discovered his. We, <laughs> So you have we you can unlock if you if you do subscribe you get uh, you get to unlock your very own um, um, agora community um, sort of unique emojis and so of course the crab nuts is immortalized as our only currently our only animated emoji and it's a shaking nuts um, uh, crab nuts there it's pretty awesome shaking nuts that could be taken in a completely wrong context. Um, so thanks again for chat. Thanks again for Donnie. That was a really great um, conversation we get to have with him. It's always nice. I mean, I, I feel very privileged. I know I bring this up all the time. Um, I feel very privileged that I get to have these little moments in my day where I get to meet amazing people um, that uh, that do amazing things on a regular basis. And, um, and Donnie is no exception. Having have, having 
having somehow mis- almost by accident created something that uh, resonates with just about all animators now because of how popular that short film was. It was very cool to get his perspective on what life has been since and, um, and um, how that differs from what he was expecting. Okay, well, um, there is another stream happening on Friday. We are having two today. Um, uh, sorry, not today, but this week, just because of the, some of the backlog that's been happening. Um, so uh, I won't be there for that one. Dave will be doing that one solo, and then we should probably be back to a pretty regular schedule again Tuesdays. And Oh, speaking of Tuesday, tomorrow night is our watch party. So if you um, are curious to see what amazing work rolled in from the 24-hour challenge a week ago, then you want to be hanging out with us tomorrow evening. Uh, the stream starts at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard, and we will be watching all of the uh, the entries. And we won't be doing a, an analysis of that. We I do I do want to plan something similar like an Anim Bingo series um, sometime in the next several weeks afterwards um, to follow up on these and you know get some of the usual suspects on stream and we can just talk about some of these amazing animations. Um, you, um, we will we will advertise that as soon as we have more information on it. But but uh, don't worry, it's it's definitely happening. So Tuesday will just be watching just having fun sitting back, bring uh, a beverage, bring some popcorn, and we'll just celebrate all, all of this hard work together. That's basically the agenda for Tuesday evening. And I hope to see all of you there, or at least some of you, at least most of you. Um, and for those who are new here, we do put the recordings on our library. Some some of the some select videos um, from streams do get put on YouTube as well. I think we're going to see more and more of that moving forward. So uh, yeah, welcome to the community for the new people, new followers, new subscribers. And um, and as far as the subscription is concerned, I know the subscribing thing is a new thing. You can unlock uh, emojis. Um, you know, you can uh, you can do cheers now as well. And and and, and the, I need to I need to make sure that we're putting some some very custom graphics in there, which is all going to be, um, um, it's all going to be coming. So it's all new here. It's the first time we've ever sort of thrown that switch to affiliate. And uh, we're hoping to kind of pave our way towards uh, partnership, which was very, very much within striking distance because of our, uh, because of that 24 hour challenge. We, we, our numbers went way up because of all the, 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 the viewing hours. So I think it, it would be an, a unique moment for us to be able to kind of cash in, well, not cash in, cash in in a good way, the community kind of way to unlock even more discoverability and um, even more emojis and more fun things that we can do in chat. So um, anyways, I think Scott and I are probably due for almost a stream where we just explain some of these new things and how you can leverage some of these things like loyalty points and, and, uh, the, the Agora coins that are actually, uh, you're, you're accumulating right now. If you're watching this on Twitch, well, you can only watch it on Twitch, but basically you're accumulating a bunch of points, even in here that you can actually cash in, in Twitch for, um, for fun things. I need to even familiarize, familiarize myself with the way that, that cash in process works to make sure people are actually getting what they, what they've essentially used their hard and hard earned Agora coins. Uh, to get agora coins by the way you get points for subscribing you get points for following you get points for just watching even basically there's all kinds of cool little things to do in there i know a lot of you are probably not regulars on twitch you might have discovered twitch because of this uh the stream and and so um maybe scott and i can do a little bit of a a little bit of a, a twitch for for newbies or something like that for for those who might be in here new and want to um play around Okay, anyways, I'll shut up. I, I could go on for hours. So thanks so much for being here. I'll see some of you on Tuesday and um, have a really, really good day. Stay animated. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects, and gaming industries 
providing daily educational material, free rigs and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.